Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of Stub Me Down. Uh, my name is JW, and of course, I am here with my best friend, Skinny. And today, we are also with another close friend of ours. We are lucky to be with Brian Weinstein from Attendance Bias. We are going to do another podcast smash up collaboration, Attendance Me Down, Stub Me Bias, whatever you want to call it. But Skinny and Brian, it is awesome to be with you guys. Skinny, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I can't believe that we're doing this so quickly. Uh, you know, a turnaround right after the garden for four nights. It's been such a busy week. I felt like that was uh, six years ago, but here we are. Brian, welcome in too, man. It's good to see you, brother. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Man, we're doing awesome. I mean, I'm a little tired. I, I'll talk about why my calves are still <laughs> sore, but I mean, I must have walked a thousand miles if it was 10 in New York City. It was a great week. You know, I'm still recovering physically because I'm old, but I'm doing good. <laughs> I was at three of the four and did a fair amount of walking. And I am surprised and shocked and also thrilled that I made it back from New York City without catching COVID again, like I did when we were talking about Atlantic City. So <laughs> I guess the three of us were some of the few that did not come down with COVID after the garden run. Um, I had a little bit of a midweek scare, but I had been cutting my lawn and I think I just got a real dose of allergies and um, I tested grass. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. And you know what? And look, let's not forget, guys, you know, before there was COVID, there was Wook flu, man. So you do a couple of nights, three nights of hard living, hard partying with 20,000 of your closest fish head friends. And there was that icky, sick feeling that you got. So, you know, I'm glad that we made it through as uh, I'm glad that you guys did as well. But I mean, what an unbelievable couple of nights up there, um, four nights for you guys, but just musically and doing this thing in April, Brian, I don't know, man, what do you think? I want to do it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> I loved it so much. I am a New York City native now. I live literally a 15 minute train ride straight shot into Penn Station. So I leave sometimes at the very last minute during the holiday run when it's extra cold, just so I could go up a couple set of escalators and I'm at my seat at Madison Square Garden. So this couldn't have been more convenient, but I loved it being in the spring because I have more of an excuse to not just hustle it in to the garden. I like that I could meet up with some friends and go to a restaurant outdoors and you know, it feels good, at least while we're doing it, to walk around skinny, if not afterward. Uh, right. It feels good to walk around the city and see people outside. I saw a good friend of my podcast and a good friend of the fish community at large, Scott Marks, uh, who works for fish.net and the Mockingbird Foundation, just walking down the street. I saw him in uh, the lobby of my hotel the first day that we were there. And I, I went up and said, uh, hey to Scott. It was it was really cool to see him. I was like, oh, well. I didn't, right there. <laughs> I didn't see him. <laughs> I did. Or I excuse me, he didn't see me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, to me, it felt a little bit like the Baker's dozen, like a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be in Manhattan in the summer. Now, I don't yeah. know if I want to give up and make it more difficult to, for me to get to New York, uh, New York City or to get to New Year's Eve, because that's something that 
is priceless to be able to get to the special vibe of a New Year's Eve show. But just the same, I might be willing to trade it for four nights. I will say, though, I was very lucky in that I was um, I can't say I was happy that it was canceled and rescheduled because I remember the feeling in late December when the Omicron variant was really starting to get ahead of steam. And I was a bit concerned about catching it because at that point I hadn't, I was COVID free up to that point. Uh, I did catch it in January when it just felt like it was everywhere and it, there was no escaping it here in New York. But when they canceled it, I was a bit relieved, you know, just for that. Like I didn't have to kind of choose between COVID and fish that because that felt kind of stressful in its way. And then when they rescheduled it and released those dates, I looked at my school work calendar and wow, it was right over my spring break. And I know. And you know, it's funny. I wish they would have played like Ave Maria over the like four days because I'm a Catholic school teacher. So I, I was like, oh, great. You know, and I remember Josh was saying, ah, this is ridiculous. You know, this another variant, like, you know, there's nothing you can control. But I remember saying to him like, well, you know, it's completely out of your hands, man. You know and I mean? And I was a little bit concerned at New Year's as well but ready to wear the mask and, and risk it. And I had just gotten my booster in October. And as a matter of fact, I just got a booster two weeks prior to going up to the garden. So I was like, if any time to take a chance to see an indoor concert for me, I felt like, okay, well, this is, this is the time and Scott free plus great music. I mean, I, I got lucky, I guess, cause I, I know a lot of people didn't. And if you're out there, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. You know, cause I guess it's inevitable at this point. Did you guys plan to go to all these shows in December and just kind of rolled over these tickets? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We yeah. were a little bit worried because my daughter's birthday was is on the 22nd. And so when we saw the initially rescheduled dates, we were like, well, we can go up for a couple of days, but we can't do more than that because we got to get back for her birthday. So I was pissed when they canceled <laughs> December, you know, because we had the time off at that time. With Christmas break, we had the kids covered. We had another thing that we had scheduled in New York over that time period that we had, Megan was getting a tattoo and it, there was a non-refundable deposit. So we still ended up going up to New York for a night on the 30th and we wore masks and we did all that stuff. We had been in Vegas for the Halloween run and same thing, you know, we wore masks inside and followed all that stuff. The thing that I find funny about them moving the shows from December to April because of COVID is that everybody fucking still got COVID anyway. And honestly, I think that the attitude, at least in December, was people probably would have been more masked up and more COVID safe at that particular time because there was maybe a little bit of a spike or a big spike, I guess, with Omicron. But Four months later, everybody was like, ah, this shit's over, man. I'm going to party. And there were not a lot of people. I mean, handfuls of people that were, you know, truly masking in the venue. I was not masking. I was on the floor two of these nights and it was a friggin' mob scene. And it was honestly 2019 indoor shows all over again, like nothing had ever happened. And, and plus the fact that, you know, back in December, they were still 
playing Knicks games and Rangers games and all that shit at Madison Square Garden. And granted, a fish show is a little bit different, but they were still holding large public events in this building. You know, so I was definitely annoyed by it. Uh, obviously, I got over it. We ended up, you know, being able to get up there for for the three that we went to. And I loved it in April. I loved the weather. It was much nicer walking around New York City in you know, jeans and a t-shirt as opposed to my heavy winter coat. I so wear shorts I, every day. I mean, yeah, I was wearing yeah. shorts. I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, the weather was, the weather was great, you know, so I, I just look at that, that COVID shift really turned into, I, I don't even know, like, what is the band sitting there saying now? Like, oh man, all these people got COVID and we moved it. So they wouldn't. And, you know, I think we're at that stage where look, we're all going to get it. If you haven't gotten it, you might get it again. I mean, you just you have to try and take care of yourself the best you can. You know, I know you guys are closer to the uh, Maryland, Baltimore, the uh, mid-Atlantic. I'm in uh, in New York City. I think that's kind of the prevailing attitude at this point. People are definitely more cautious here. Like I see a lot of masks just generally day to day. But I think the vibe here is just kind of like wear one. If you want to wear one, no one's going to really judge you at least in public and out loud, but most people are generally not. And it's just kind of, if you get it, you get it, take care of yourself and those around you and move on after the fact. And that's kind of the attitude that I had going into these shows. I wore them on, I wore a mask on the train because that's the rule on the MTA on the Long Island railroad. I took into the city. I don't want to, cause trouble. I don't want to be the outlier or the asshole. And I wore a mask all of last year at work and half the year this year at work. I'm kind of used to it. If if it's the law of the land, that's what I'll do. If it's not, I'm happy not to. Yeah, me too. And my daughters wear it to school like still, and they don't have to. They're just like being precautious. And I, it's funny that a 12 and a seven year old are my models because I wore a mask, you know, of, of course I had to, cause I'm a teacher as well. And wearing that all the time in the classroom, even outside at one point at my school, you, you, you couldn't even take it off or, you know, not don it until you were in your car when you left. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a very confusing situation. I kept saying that before we get into the shows exactly. The situation was super confusing. I'll tell you what adds to that confusion is like Midtown is a complete construction site and it is like a maze going in there, you know, which they played over the Fortnite run. And I see what they're trying to do, I guess, turn it into some niche area is what we heard from somebody that, you know, runs a bar around Midtown and the Moynihan uh, train hall. I think that was night three, J-Dob, when we went over there and he was saying how, you know, they're trying to get people and everything and they're all I was like, well, what's up with all the construction? That's not helping you. And it's like they're trying to turn it into midtown proper. I had no idea that all that was going on. That was that was a strange sight. And the last thing I'll say, I guess, about masks is this. Listen, you're a human being. You choose to do what you want to do. And there were plenty of people in there. My seatmate and his wife for all four nights was wearing a mask and it was nothing you know, it's not like, hey, what are you doing? And he wasn't like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, what's that guy over there doing? <laughs> so it, it was all good, man. I, I was happy to be there, but I, I, I don't know if I was careless. I mean, I'm double boosted. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what to do at this point. I will say one last word before we get into night one, unless, uh, unless J-Dubs, you have something to add. But I will say on that note, the Moynihan train hall, it's so nice. 
You know, I grew up oh my God. to Penn Station all the time. My dad would take me to Nixon Rangers games or my family would go to uh, the Ringling Brothers. Every time I went to Manhattan, that was the only way to go through Penn. And it's always been, at least in my lifetime, such a shitty building designed for oversized rats to make their way to the exit or another train. It's so demoralizing and dispiriting. When I went to eight, the 8th Avenue portion, which is the Moynihan train hall, but used to be that portion of the post office, it looks like a real train station. Yeah, it yeah. does. It's amazing. I love it in there, man. That the, the bar in there was really, really nice. Really nice place. So whoever was in charge of that or whatever committees were in charge of that and you listen to a bunch of fish podcasts, kudos to you. <laughs> Thank you for not making me feel like a rodent of unusual size coming in just to Madison Square Garden. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, that's funny. that's funny. All right, Skinny, take us away for night one, man. All right. Well, so night one, I, I know anybody out there listening, there were plenty of complaints about night one, but I didn't have a lot of complaints. Well, number one, let's just talk about being there in the moment. You know, we took the train up from Baltimore. We're there. We get settled into our hotel room. We met Josh and his wife, Megan, and, and my wife and I were hanging out. We went to a bar before and we're so excited to be there. So, you know, when the lights go down, which we've been talking about lately too on our show, it's just this feeling of like lights, you know, when they drop and the whole crowd cheers, I don't know what gets better than that. There's not a lot of feelings. I'm sure that people are going to argue with me about what feelings are better than that, but it's one of the best. And I, I didn't understand for me what the whole issue was about this show. I mean, the first pairing of the Karini possum is something that I don't think I've heard open a show. And my favorite, the moment dance was great, but my favorite probably of the whole night was the strange design, you know? And I think about the line from that, you know, swimming in this strange design, which obviously foreshadows two nights later and the design that they had for us there was, which was incredible and we'll talk about, but I, I really just thought that the show was really good. Now, like at the end, I had never heard the howling. I was thought that was fantastic. I thought that the Reba was really good, but you know, they had missed some spots in there, but it, it was a good Reba in the fact that my daughter likes that song right now. And I'm, she's loves the bag it, tag it kind of philosophy, how it jumps from one kind of theme musically to another. And yeah, she doesn't hear those missed spots. I'm the only one that hears that, but I don't go, did you, did you hear that one? They missed that note or they, you know, he came in too late there. We don't talk about it like that. So to hear Reba the first night and think about her, it was just great. There were, there were some really great jams in there. I mean, and, and let's not forget, I hear it down with disease every show that I go to. Um, so I'm surprised I didn't play it all four nights, but the disease was amazing. It's a, I, it's a great version. I think honestly, and Brian, you can, support or reject this thought but i feel like the reason that this show is diminished is there were it was a little bit there was a little bit of sloppiness in the disease the leaves was not as tight as some versions that they've played in the past and then in the second set i think after the twist they play the mountains in the mist and then reba and then they close the show with drift while you're sleeping and so People don't like the Church of Trey stuff. And so anytime one of those songs gets dropped into a noted position, a set closer or a set opener or, or an encore, for a lot of people, I think it instantly brings the show down. The thing that I love about 
this particular show is the disease into the howling. And when they did sci-fi soldier in October, everybody fucking hated it. Everybody thought that it was unoriginal and too repetitive and that the music wasn't creative (laughs) and it, it, that it wasn't good. And now you get the howling here. I think they had played it in Mexico. Then the last night they throw in another sci-fi soldier tune. And now everybody's like, oh yeah, sci-fi soldier, you know? And it's just, I marvel sometimes at how quickly people change their tune about a tune after an initial appearance of them, you know? I think I could subscribe to that with with Fish's original debuts on Halloween between Wingsuit, that became Fuego, Casfot Vaxxed, and uh, Sci-Fi Soldier. I think it- And Chilling oh, Thrilling. And the Halloween, yeah, the, the Halloween one. Yeah. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the Haunted House one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the other. Um, I think that I've learned my lesson where I listen to this show that or the set that they play all the original stuff once or twice and then i just kind of let it filter through down to me whichever ones stay in the rotation because it's too much i you know the reaction is too visceral when you hear it all at once and yeah. so you might end up saying you know fucking sing monica what a what a shitty song but if they played sing monica every once in a while i bet people it would have people its, would love it yeah it people would have would its love and so I, I listened to Sci-Fi Soldier once or twice, didn't love it, didn't hate it. I felt fairly ambivalent toward it. And now I know as it comes up, I'm going to love the howling and I'm going to love Egg in a Hole when they find their places and whatever other ones. And it's not really worth my brain space to really develop such critical opinions of the other ones that may just kind of fall into the wayside. I like I like how you described it as a, a visceral reaction because that is so true to form when people hear something out of the gate with this band and it's it can we talked about this with Famer a little bit people have you know very strong opinions and they'll die on those hills you know until they won't <laughs> right or they'll just <laughs> abandon them right and, or they don't remember custer but either way <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean the this is this is off on too big a tangent but the that wingsuit set really revealed some fish fans for who they were when it came to uh, immediate opinions it really did uh but as far as that first show goes, so I was there with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen since 2018. And I originally only had tickets to the middle nights, the 30th and the 31st as they were. I thought it was too much. I almost never go to a show on the first. Uh, I usually skip the 28th. So this year I thought I would take it a little easy. Plus, as I said earlier, my concern about Omicron, I wanted to sure. take, you know, play it as it came. And then my friend Adam messaged me, hey, I'm coming the first night on 420. Do you have tickets? No, I don't. Oh, well, if you find them, you know, here's where we're sitting. And then um, I go to a bar where there's a lot of heads and I know, you know, there's a lot of regulars, including me. And they said, oh, you got to go 420, right? That's totally your brand. I don't know what they're saying, but sure. Uh, and, And so I just kind of got pulled into it once I realized that I didn't have work at all why not so i found a ticket a couple rows back from my friend we hung out at stout old reliable 
you know, that yes. far right on. I think it's 33rd Street. And oh, so we were there. Some, yeah, we yeah, were there. We were there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then a friend of mine at work who I've known for 10 years, she told me coming up on the last day of school before break, hey, guess what I'm doing this 420? And when I hear it that way, you know, it's not a mystery. So I knew people going, I had nothing to lose. It's, you know, and I ended up going to all four. So I was excited coming into night one. Uh, I was able to go to Mexico, which was really great. So I had these kind of high expectations, but this is a completely different ball game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Mexico is yeah. like a dream. And yeah. this is like a four night run at, at a city. Yeah, it's almost like work. I mean, listen, dude, by day four, I was like <laughs> glad to lay in my bed until the show and watch <laughs> Office Space. So yeah, Mexico and Madison Square Garden are two different tables and they're set differently too. You know what I mean? And I've never been to Mexico, Josh has, but I know just from seeing the webcasts or, or YouTube videos of it, it's a it's a completely, completely different vibe. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love this show. I mean, I'm, I'm not fluffing. There's, there's some stuff I don't really like. I'm not a really big fan of Mountains in the Mist. I always leave the encore, so I didn't hear it. <laughs> I mean, and that's too bad because you get a right. gumbo slave I here. I mean, right. this is a this is a solid encore here. But if you look at this as a show on paper, there's really nothing to not like about it. I mean, unless it's just simple song selection, skinny, like you said, you don't like mountains in the mist. Cool. No problem. Some people don't like strange design, even though it was a little bit of a bust out here. They hadn't played it in 50 shows. It, then of course you get the kind of the kitschiness of them doing stash and blaze on it's 420. And you know, Sigma they, Oasis too was Sigma kind of a little kitsch, you know. Well, I mean? and and leaves and twist and you know, there's well, a couple of other things you can pull out there. I know. Well, Sigma Oasis is more. They were like, take off your mask, and everybody's going to get COVID by Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I though I did my highlight. If I had to pin one, would be the moment dance. I think I liked. By the way, hearing myself say that out loud is pretty pretty bananas. I. <laughs> You know, I could usually. You're one of those guys that liked Black Eyed Katie, but hates Moma Dance. I don't hate the Moma Dance. It's just like it's reached the point where if they never played it again, I wouldn't miss it. And if they played it again, it's good enough to hear because they never really do something different with uh, with it until now. You know, and right. I know this isn't the first time, of course, but this is the first time I was in attendance for it. And now I have bias toward it. Uh, but. <laughs> I think I like the jam from Karini better because when you open a four night run with, first of all, a fan favorite that rocks everyone's faces off and do and a 20 minute opener at that, I like that jam a lot. And I'm all about the jams and rarities and bust outs. So I like that a lot. But the fact, and the Mommy Dance had a really good jam as well. It wasn't as intense as Karini, but what I think I liked about it was the charm that it came out of an unexpected place. So if I had to pin a favorite, musically, I like the Karini better, but I also like the unexpectedness of the jam out of the MoMA dance. Yeah, yeah MoMA, MoMA yeah. I think, has had a very strong resurgence in probably the last, maybe post-COVID, if you want to call it 4.0. I think MoMA has really, we saw a great version in Atlantic City, this version here. I, I think at Dix, we saw a really good one, Skin. I think yeah, yeah. MoMA has been, 
gotten a little bit more juiced. And yes, Brian, just like you said, it is pretty much the same every time. But they can do, you know, once they get into the jam towards the end, the last four or five minutes of it, they can have some fun. They can make it a little bit funky. And I feel like this version plays right into that. And then it went into Leaves there, which, like I said, I really like Leaves, this version. It's not the best, but um, I really do like it as a song. So I like that pairing there. Like Skinny kind of let off. I, I have no problems with this show at all. Plus, I will also say this. This was the only one that my wife was able to attend. We had a situation at home that one of us had to had to bail for, and she fell on her sword and went. So I enjoyed this just because, you know, I, I, we, got to, we got to be together for this one. And the other shows were great, no doubt. But, you know, not having my, my roll dog there was, was, I still had Skinny. Still had Amy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, we didn't sleep together. And it was but you know, it, you know, it was. A, I felt bad because that night at the end, like after the show, they were like, "We're gonna go home," and I just, just shock. It was shocking all. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we we left the show that night. We had a couple of late night beers at Mustang Harry's, and we were both resigned at that point. That that was it. We saw one. We were gonna sell the rest of the tickets and go home. And the next day we decided trying to sell we were kind of under the gun as far as getting back home time wise and um megan was like look it'll be a lot easier to get rid of one ticket than two um we didn't want to saddle christian and amy with having to like deal with it and you know because i'm terrible at doing that shit. <laughs> are you <laughs> yeah dude i mean other than being like hey you want to go and like giving it to somebody i'm like cash transactions yeah. i failed math twice in yeah. high school that's well, the other thing is they were so then the other the other thing was is that they were paper tickets. And so we had to physically meet people. Um, but these were also the last tickets that my mom's cousin Jane had gotten for us. She passed away in uh, January and I've talked about her briefly before, but she had a connection to the band and in 2010 my mom and her reconnected and she basically said you know, anytime Josh needs tickets, you know, please let me know. And I never took advantage. We only got tickets for shows that we couldn't get tickets through other means or, you know, something special. And, you know, like Megan's 100th, I got tickets from from her for those. But these were the last shows that she had gotten. So there was kind of that. I didn't want them to just go to some rando dude on the street who didn't kind of understand the significance of them. Um, and Megan saw that too and so i ended up having a buddy of mine come in and take two of the seats and, and, and we sold we had an extra one for uh night two so it was a little going into the next day which don't tell my wife but it turned out to be my favorite show of the four um <laughs> i'm gonna send the link to this <laughs> podcast and she's gonna know she's gonna know she's gonna know but that night was i mean I don't even really know what to say about this show. This for me is like almost a perfect fish show. And I'll talk about almost um, a little bit later, but they start with the Susie Greenberg who was in the crowd, her first fish show. So I thought that that was, that was cool. They dedicated it to her. But for me, as soon as they started that Wolfman's brother at the end of the first set, Wolfman's Esther ghost, 
And then the second set, Chalk Dust Tweezer 2001 Maze, that segment of music right there, I'll put that up against any fish era as far as intricacy, creativity, fun, a little bit of fishiness. I was blown away with that musical segment. And I mean, even to this day that I can't stop going back, especially really the ghost, the chalk dust, the tweezer and the 2001 is just beautiful. It's beautiful. That tweezer is and it's another MSG tweezer in my opinion. Do you consider this to be a 1230 show? Absolutely. A hundred percent. 1230 hits every time. And I think that's why this this show was such a banger. I said 421, 12.30, what's the difference? I mean, it, to me, I've seen a ton of 12.30 shows. Well, not a ton, but you know what I mean. Metaphorically, a bunch of 12.30 shows. And this was no different, Ryan. No difference. I agree. This show turned out to be quite special. I do believe it was the best of the four for a number of reasons. Musically, certainly superior to the other three, in my opinion. I felt really good walking into this show. I just Right now, I'll just uh, say it, because this, this is gonna be a recurring motif. I had a single ticket to all four nights, so I don't have a, or didn't have a show buddy. Uh, my girlfriend wasn't coming to these four. She tends to like outdoor shows, more so than indoor shows. Uh, this is before COVID also. She just kind of developed that preference. And I have no, I don't judge. I have no problem with that, of course. As uh, long but, as she lets you go, there's no problem. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's more that I've through my years of seeing the band, I've developed like such an extensive network of people who love going to shows, whether it's there on their own or they have a group of friends that I could just kind of latch on to for the night. Uh, for this show, I was so lucky that a listener of Attendance Bias, shout out to Caleb reached out to me back in December when I asked if anyone has an extra, just let me know, and he did. And not only did he have an extra, but it was in section three, which is those raised bleachers at yeah. the back of the floor, which I'm not a floor guy. I need to sit when I need to sometimes. So to have that view of the show, of the lights, of the stage, the sound of being straight back, it was it's right behind the light booth. Yeah. And but the, the option to sit when needed, I didn't really need this show, but but right. to have that option was brilliant. Caleb was so nice. He was sitting to my left and then to my right was a father taking his high school age daughter to her first show. Oh, and that's, so that's always very touching. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, going to be me soon. That's awesome. Yeah. So like to join in or in, and like purposely overhear those conversations, not to be creepy, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it, but it's fun, you know, when, right. when she said, you really don't know what they're going to play and you forget how fundamental this can be, like yeah. how much we take for granted about how different they are from a lot of mainstream acts. So to hear sure. her say, like ask questions like that, it's just so fun to be a part of that, uh, even though it's just me joining in on her and her dad's experience. So that alone made it special just to have that view and that area. And then on top of it, I don't know, I was listening to this show again. This is the sort of show that the last time I felt this was during jam night of the Baker's Dozen, where there's no good time to get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to miss anything. I had to wait until Nate's to take a piss. Yeah. Oh my God, I did that too during Maze and I ran into RJ from Osiris. Oh, that's I fun. Said, <laughs> I said, my bladder doesn't know that it's Maze. And then I, I pissed real quick and then ran back. You out. know what? I had, <laughs> one, I had one beer 
inside the venue, I will say. I had one beer all of the 21st, and I didn't miss a single note of music. And I look, and here's the thing. And as we get through the rest of these nights, here's the thing for me, for these four shows, the song selection was totally on point. There was not one song that I thought maybe was out of place or could have been put somewhere else or was not a song. I mean, they didn't play any horn. They did it and uh, you know they, they worked the zero into here but there was a tweezer in the middle of it so i could put up with it for that other than that like every song they played fit my you know and like i said i don't i don't not like very much but the song selection and the way they played it and the energy with which they played all of these shows was top notch this one especially with that tweezer 2001 in there and the chalk dust too dude like skinny i know you heard the rider ish is in that chalk dust well listen and then the tweezers the your pet tweezer like they and then that gets that gets threaded through the rest of the weekend yeah well the other thing too i i went to saint patrick's cathedral and Walked all around there, and I, I sung there for two years, two summers in a row. Believe it or not, I went to like choir camp in Princeton. Um, and I know that sounds strange, but for them to play like a traditional Jewish prayer song, and then for that type of show to come out, even though it was already good, into the second set, um, my prayers were answered a little bit. I mean, I, I made a little donation. I prayed for schools, because that's, I don't know if uh, you guys are familiar with Elizabeth Seaton. So she's a saint. So I prayed for schools, but apparently uh, praying for schools prays for good shows. So I thought that also the second set made me laugh so much because Josh, you don't like character zero at all. And the fact that they sandwiched a tweezer in the middle of it to me made it the best character zero of all time. Your prayers were answered. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's strengthening friendships. Here is a 100% true story. They are winding down the hood and they're playing the last notes of Harry Hood. And I leaned over to my buddy Steve, who had sat down to catch a breather. And I said, dude, this spot is ripe for a character zero. And I swear to God, 10 seconds later, and he just looked at me and he was like, what the fuck? And I just sat there and I laughed. And then when they threw that tweezer in, I was like, all right, I can dance a little bit to this. And But the, I, I just feel like the way, again, the way that tweezer in the middle of the character Zero matched the tweezer that they had played at the beginning of the set. I mean, it really connected the whole set together. And I'll take a Zero if they're going to put a tweezer in. And <laughs> I'll take anything with a tweezer in it. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, Ruben on right. with a tweezer. Whatever. You know, maybe, maybe Skinny, this is how I'll guess, figure out how to get tweezer on the Brussels sprouts, and maybe I'll fucking. Uh, yeah, I gotta take you to church, you atheist. And then maybe. <laughs> I was at church today, actually, bro. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I thought that with this show, I think the reason what it really hit me about why it was the best is aside from just the quality of the gems, it really had everything that draws me into fish. I even made a list because I'm a freak with notes. So 
It's got fi- fish mythology because it starts with Susie Greenberg, right? A real life person yep. mm-hmm. who I've been hearing about one sided for 30 years. And so it was fun to like just start off with that, that this real life person for this song who is portrayed as a psycho, right? From right. an angry breakup song by the Dude of Life. Obviously, she is not. But it's fun to just, it, it's great that she's in on the joke. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was very cute. I really enjoyed that. So it's got fish mythology just to kick the whole thing off. An unrelenting set list. It's got bust outs and rarities like Avenu Malkenu, sure. the man who stepped into yesterday. Uh, Esther, which the, Caleb, my buddy, my new buddy, was thrilled about. One of his Twitter name, I think, is uh, it's it's a it's a lyric from Esther. It's escaping me now. Uh, they played um, the mango song. Yeah, and I mean. Sorry to cut you off, Brian, but if you look at some of those statistics on Esther, so this one was a 25-show gap, but then before that, it was 112 shows, 76 shows, 75 shows, 81 shows. So talk about that rarity where a lot of people, especially like the 3040 kids, have not gotten Uh a whole lot in the way of Esther. Mangoes, not quite the same separation but this was a 24 show gap and then you're talking 45 43 32 you know and so I, that I is that, that version of mango song i i, I love the mango song I, yeah. I really cool. and i mean what a position there between about to run and a really nice hairy hood i thought that that was a a very fun placement for that mangoes and those gaps you were just bringing up it feels a hell of a lot longer when they barely play for a full year Right. Yeah. It's not no just doubt. shows. It's also calendar months. Right. Yep. And, and by the your, way, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say your. I'm sorry, Brian. Your own show history. Like I haven't seen Esther. I don't think since Baker's Dozen. So here we are, five years later. I'm like, man, yeah. I haven't seen that song in five years. It's not like I saw 500 shows. I saw a bunch of shows in between those times, even with COVID, and. I haven't seen Esther since the Baker's Dozen. They played it on uh, Jerry Garcia's birthday, that August 1st show. Crazy. And, and do you realize we're breaking down this awesome show? None of us have brought up the ghost. Yeah. Close the first yeah. set and just there, blew was, everyone away. It's, yeah. I, I had a thought in real time. That's why it won the, uh, won the, uh, yeah, won the week, bracket. the weekend yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I usually don't think like this, but during the ghost, Trey does this, I don't know if it's a chorus, I don't know, I have no guitar vocabulary ever, but he does a, a, a lick that kind of raises the energy piece by piece. It reminded me of Twist that they played on New Year's Eve 2015 that was soaring and beautiful, and it was it was like a time travel callback, and it had the same exact reaction. I was there, it was also in Madison Square Garden. And at set break, I was getting texts from friends who all hang out online and kind of do a um, they, they're in a slack channel and watch live streams when the opportunity arises and i was getting texts from all of them saying how like do you believe this this ghost unbelievable like before the second set before tweezer before that character zero uh, yeah. ice cream sandwich all that this was a huge this was probably the jam of the of the run so far can i tell yeah. you we haven't even mentioned that. it I know. And let me tell you a story about that ghost. This is how hot that ghost was. The guy down the aisle from me in my row in section 119 
wearing a cowboy hat with a blue unicorn sticking out of it. Uh, like a vest with no shirt and tidy whitey shorts. And I believe he was wearing silk stockings all weekend. He was also in our hotel. We caught I him. I want him on my podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know. But he, he, during that ghost, this is how it was so good. This guy had to run out to the aisle and just like, go ape. I mean, everybody around us was going crazy because we're backed up against the luxury boxes and people in a really, really getting into it too. Just as much as we were in one night and this guy came out and was like, had sparkles and glitter flying off of him. It was crazy. It was, it was like he was going 100 miles an hour in a Corvette uh, while that was playing. It was really, really good. I can understand why folks voted for Ghost. I voted well, and, that, <laughs> and that's why I'm saying if you if you start with the Wolfmans and you go from and the beginning of the show was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that Wolfmans go was good. If you go yeah. from the Wolfmans into Esther, now Trey did fuck up a little bit of the Esther, the composed part after the doll drowns Esther in the lake. But after that, they get it together, they finish the gym, and then that ghost follows, but then they they kept that energy up. That's a great chalk dust torture. I mean, I think that it, they were just firing on all cylinders, and then it just felt like heavy hitter after heavy hitter after heavy hitter with you know the mango kind of bust out not really you know a, 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 an infrequently played tune dropped in there it just felt super powerful from where the band was and i think that this show really built on the night before it, it was all a progression in in my opinion and i wasn't there the last night but i feel like each show, they told a story throughout these four nights. And I mean, it was just fucking so much fun. Well, speaking of the next night, New Year's Eve, right? For all intents and purposes. So I had a very fortunate experience. I, again, I was by myself. I didn't have the greatest ticket. And so I went in early. I hung out with uh, my friend Andy and his wife. And we decided to go to Chelsea Market to get uh, pre-show oysters. And generally, my rule is no seafood before a show, well, let alone <laughs> oyster, let alone raw bar, right? But <laughs> it, it felt like summer. It was like a small taste of summer. And I love having oysters during summer. It's like a nice happy hour. Uh, so I had oysters and a, uh, and a lobster roll. So I was already in a good mood, you know, walking down 8th Avenue, getting toward Chelsea, which is such a beautiful neighborhood, and meeting up with friends. So as I was getting there, I got a text from another friend of mine who said, hey, where are you sitting tonight? I sent him my seat location. Are you solo? Yes, I am. Would you maybe want to watch the show from a suite? And I said, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> never emoji. happened to me before. <laughs> yeah, and an emoji smiley face, you know, right. of course so. So he goes, all right, uh, stay in touch. I'll let you know. So while I'm eating these oysters and enjoying them, I am just checking my phone every four seconds. You know, I know I'm going to get a notification if I get a text, but I'm not leaving anything to chance. Uh, and so he did. And I'm not going to explain the background. It's a little convoluted, but he was able to get a suite, which was almost straight back from the stage, catered with food for him and about 10 of his friends. And it's nice not bad. Yeah, he's, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and a private bathroom, which is what it's worth. Oh that's, shit! That's God really damn. what it's for. Like you know, so take away bring on the, the seafood. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll have another order of oysters. Yeah, right. uh, uh, how are the how are the chinkatigs? Are they <laughs> extra horseradish? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he he didn't give me this order, but he said, I'm just asking people to miracle their tickets if they have one. Wow. Because this is all because yeah. this is all free. The the suite is. And so I was able to get in touch with my friend, Alyssa, who's been on my podcast. And because I knew she was looking for a ticket, I miracled her my ticket. And I found out later that it was so she and her father could go to the show together. She didn't tell me that ahead of time. Like she just was looking for an extra is the way she phrased it. So that was very touching. Uh, And so, you know, around Passover, I did a mitzvah. So I was very happy about that. Well, wait a minute. You have to explain to the the gentiles what a what a, what is a mitzvah <laughs> oh a mitzvah is just like a good deed it's like when oh, you okay. do something selfless and you don't think about the reason for it you're just saying something nice to someone or you know donating something it's a mitzvah m-i-t-z-v-a-h it's just a good deed oh i'm gonna so, put that into my uh vocabulary i know like ganif but that's like you know i don't know thief. what that what's a ganif a ganif is a thief i thought i'm oh, not sure i don't know i'll have to check <laughs> Yiddish I think that's is the, the best opposite. language, by the I way. Yiddish, Yiddish <laughs> yeah. has a word for everything, and it all <laughs> right. sounds so ridiculous. I love it. Right, right. It's so but, funny. But, but I, so I was walking into this show so jazzed that I was going up the special escalator to the left or to the right. You know, I looked down at all the peons going through the <laughs> Me. metal detector. You, you schmucks. You know, there's another Yiddish word. So, but uh, the, the security search was nothing. They pretty much looked at me and then let me through. Um, I got to go to this beautiful suite that had Mighty Quinn's barbecue in it. Oh my God. Mighty Quinn is the name of the barbecue place? Yeah, it's delicious. Oh, come on without. Come on yeah. within. All right. I... What a miracle this entire, keep going. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, there's not much more to it. In the suite, there were some other friends that were mutual friends of me and the guy uh, who invited me. I hadn't seen them since 2015 when they hosted me at a barbecue before Meriwether Post that summer. So it was like a real get together. And so the vibes were just outstanding. We were in this suite for a three set show that uh, I couldn't have been in a better place from eating oysters to sitting and sitting by myself to now being in a luxury suite, having donated or miracled my ticket to a friend who wasn't expecting it in a catered private bathroom suite, (laughs) watching this three set show couldn't have gone better, but I want to hear your opinions before I say about what I thought about the music, because I know that uh, J-Dub said something about perfect song set list pickings (laughs) that I might disagree with for night three. Yes, let's do it. I'm going to let the good vibes I'm going to cut off at good vibes. So what do you Skitty, guys think? You go first. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I can't believe I didn't run into you because my wife and I walked the High Line Trail that day and we were down in Chelsea Market. And I know where you had lobster roll and all that. I saw that place. I was like, ah, and then we kind of passed by it because 1030 ish, like everything was just starting to open. And I agree that the whole history and vibe in that area of the city is just so different. It's I love it in Chelsea. It's really good. If you haven't been to Chelsea, highly suggest you go down there. Highline Trail is a lot of fun, too. It's just so weird how that all came together. I mean, I'll talk about the music real quick. I mean, I just I love the show, but I agree like the a lot of times I felt misplaced sets like every night and then it might not have been your bag. And like the construction sometimes of the set list was strange 
for instance, just to backpedal real quick, like a leaves strange design, I think is why everybody had such a problem with night one, which is like weird. Like, why do you have a problem with that? I don't know. But even here, I wouldn't have thought like, and everything's right is something that you wanted to open up Earth Day with, but maybe you, you do. I mean, cause if we're talking about the climate, everything's not right, Trey. <laughs> I mean, good point. You know what I mean? And then, you know, for me too, then a tube and I'm like, okay. A this good is, tube. Yeah, good it's tube. It's a great tube. Yeah, it's really good. A little still under my 10 minute earmark, but you know. It's like uh, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then. It's still know, under 10. Yeah. But still under 10. And I just felt like even, I mean, listen, light's not one of my favorites, but that jam was probably, I thought, the best of the week. Like, so I need to read the text message that Christian sent me during light. <laughs> oh my God. So I was on the floor for this night and I, at Madison Square Garden, I am a rail rider, but I am a back rail rider. I am not a front rail rider. So when you get down to the floor, you can always, without fail, find me and Megan on the very back rail of the floor. We get a good spot close to, you know, whatever the soundboard is, whatever the fence is, and that is where you will find us. And when this show started and they played Everything's Right into Tube, that was a fucking awesome segment of music. I'm a huge fan of Everything's Right. As far as them not playing something Earth Day related to start this show, I think they did the same thing with the 420 show. They didn't sure. do what was expected, which was, you know, they were going to play, you know, light up or leave me alone. Or, or legalize you know, it. Right. right. Or steer it up or like any of these, you know, marijuana related tunes. And obviously they played a couple there. But I think the same philosophy falls for how they constructed the set on this, except for obviously the third set, which they had like a whole theme to, which, yes, related to Earth Day, but I think it also related to just, you know, an underwater theme. But I don't understand how, like, everything's right. A 10-minute tube. The 555 was pretty funky. I, you know, people might not like that tune, but this is a funky version into Back on the Train. Fine. Army of One, maybe you don't like that tune. Go take a piss. A uh, 12-minute Axola. And look at the statistics on Axola. All of those motherfuckers in the venue have never seen Axola 2. <laughs> I'm pretty sure right? they put it in Mexico, but that's about it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. I knew but, that was a rarity when they hit it. I And I also saw it in Vegas. But before that, they hadn't played it since 19-fucking-95. Right. Right? So Axela 2 here, like, people are going to be excited about that. And then the Gian Santos to end. I didn't even think they needed that Santos at the end. They could have ended with that really high-powered, explosive gin. And yeah, that gin was good. It was good, and it didn't have necessarily the themes of some of like my all-time favorite gins, but it was a rocker that really demonstrated, again, how energized the band was. Again, you get into, fine, the second set, maybe you don't like what's the use and everybody hates number lines. So I get it, but that number line was a raging version. Trey wishes his daughter a happy birthday. You know, I think I think a lot of people go into some of these things looking for something to complain about. And if you don't like a particular song, I think that that's one thing, but you can certainly appreciate a good version of a song that you don't like. And 
that's what you have maybe with this set you know maybe you don't like army of one or maybe you don't like five 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 but i don't others... like light but i realize what its purpose is and that Wait, purpose... i don't think i read the text that you know oh, yeah i, I started to here. say it. sorry i got i i <laughs> Got sidetracked there. So when light started, Skinny texted me, LOL, light. And then the next text was fish sucks. And then the next and then the next text after that, which was 15 minutes later, after they jammed the fuck out of the light, was best light everything. So you know. Look, light is one of those tunes where, yes, I guarantee you a lot of people don't like the formal part of the song, but light is one of the consistent 3.0 vehicles that they have. If you can get through the first part of it, you're going to enjoy the last 10, 12, 15 minutes, whatever they're doing with a light. I guarantee no doubt, it. Like no nobody's doubt. standing there cross-armed as they're raging the 18th minute of a light. I guarantee it. But I think it just goes to show that anything can be a vehicle. And sometimes you don't like the fucking ride that you're in. <laughs> well, I allow me to retort. I understand exactly what you're saying about light completely so much that in my own little private world, I've come up with what I call the light corollary, which means that whatever new song the band loves playing the most, that's the song that's going to have the best jams, whether it's 1992 yeah. or 2022. It doesn't matter when it was down with disease in 1993 and 94. Down with disease had the best jams. Uh, light in 2009. I agree with you, JW, that it was. It's been an unbelievable consistent jam vehicle. And I don't like the song, but it's been some of the best jams I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Let me, let me ask Thank when you. you wrote, when you wrote Fish Sucks, did you use an X for sucks or did <laughs> I, you do CK? I don't know. I probably, because I'm an English teacher, I probably wrote yeah. it like S-U-C-K-S. Like, I hate the way the kids text these days. But I guess what I was saying, like, Fish Sucks there is like a 20-minute set your soul free which i'm totally on the ride for as an open for that second set thinking something else besides the lights coming so when the beginning notes of that light hit i'm like Ugh, fish sucks but fish sucks because they're not doing what i want them to do i can't right. I, i'm not like i want to be the marionettes and the strings get cut by them like every time and i i, I cannot be well the puppeteer i'm not the marionette we're the marionettes and you know, they cut the string on that all the time. And I, I'm like, ah, why would they do that? And it's, I think that game is actually pretty fun. You know what I mean? I, I really think that game is fun. Considering then the third set, I, I felt like they turned the sound up in the garden. I'm, I wasn't sure, but that free sounded a lot louder than anything from the first set. So before we get into the gag, I just want to say one thing about the set list choice because the gag completely turned everything around for me. Right. Uh, Wait, hold on. So besides the besides from the light, Brian, what about this? What about the first two sets? Are you like, eh. <laughs> okay? All right. So I'm you don't you, like I'm light? I'm glad you I, 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 yeah, I want to know. I want to know. So, Welcome to We Hate All Fish Songs. <laughs> yeah, this is a new podcast we're developing where all we do is shit on everything we play, uh, and then go to four shows. And I play the foil then because I love it all except for two. So everything's right. Five fifty-five. Army of one. Set your soul free, light, backwards down the number line, a wave of hope. Okay, so I started 
my wait, friend, you don't you don't like wait, everything's right or set your soul free. You mentioned a phrase called the Church of Trey earlier. <laughs> yes, you can excommunicate me right now because I am not. I'm a lapsed. <laughs> Uh, I'm a lapsed church of Trey. It's non-denominational, Brian. <laughs> uh, so afterward, my friend, this is during, uh, I think, the second set break between two and three. A friend of mine called it a nightmare set list, and I agreed with it in the moment to the point that I even repeated it. But upon second thought, I, I pulled back. I didn't think that was fair because I'm such a wuss and I'm a Libra, so everything has to be balanced. And so... I thought of Seinfeld. Whenever I don't know how to express myself, I think of The Simpsons or Seinfeld. There's an episode of Seinfeld where George's father is trying to explain a phrase in Korean. And he said that when he was dating a girl or married a girl in Korea, he met her father and he repeats a phrase her father said to him. And George goes, well, what does that mean? He goes, it means this guy is not my kind of guy. <laughs> and so this set list, it's not my kind of set list. Yeah, and, I, and I'll leave it there. That's, I mean, all listen, right. Well, not look, everything hits your ear right, and and that's just the way it is. It's true, and I don't like the na na nas and everything's right. right. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. But uh, Brian, right, I want you to about, go. Yeah. I want you to go back, and I want you to listen to October first, two thousand twenty-one. John Fishman plays Trey Anastasio band gig from the anthem in washington dc and i want you to listen to that everything's right and you can skip the first four minutes if you'd like but then listen See, that's to the, the thing <laughs> you can skip the first four minutes that's the right. song <laughs> but what about look but that's four minutes of a 20 minute jam so you can't say that i didn't like the whole show because of the first four minutes of one song same with the set your soul free and yes maybe that part of it doesn't hit you but they jammed the shit out of both of those tunes they're great versions of those tunes and there are plenty of other great versions of both everything's right and set your soul free and if you're boxing yourself in to i'm not going to enjoy a 20 minute jam because i don't like the first four minutes of the lyrics i'm just saying that that's a little like I think sometimes Eating oysters you gotta, before a yeah, show. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like gas station sushi, you know, like I, I'm just saying, like, if your reaction to that was, man, I didn't like that set because they, you know, I mean, maybe the jam just doesn't hit your ear right. But I don't know. I just feel like even if you're not if you're not a fan of the Church of Trey or you're not an attendee of the Church of Trey or prescribed to that particular ideology, the jam segments of those tunes might still be manageable. We'll let you know that when I listed my favorite jams of the night that I started writing my notes that, like that Sunday after night four, I wrote good jams for this night, like Tube, Back on the Train, Axola 2, Bathtub Gin, and Set Your Soul Free. Okay. Uh, so I acknowledge it, there's progress being made here but All I right. still allow myself the grace <laughs> to roll my eyes when needed. But let's talk <laughs> Noted about- Noted and appreciated. Let's talk about the gag. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I got amazing. amazing and not much needs to be said about it. Highway Jill on Twitter had a million views of Bananas the Whale because it was bananas. And when that thing came out, it was catacorner to us. And I'm like, what is that? And then the way it was flying around, we didn't even know at the time it was drones. 
And then I happened when I got home to, to get a video myself, which I didn't even know until we got home and I was looking through my pictures. And the whale call, like, I don't even need to talk about the songs, but like they literally were doing that loop and it sounded like a whale call and that thing is floating around with those dolphins. And that's when the fog machines coming out of the top by the marquee in the middle. And it was just like, I'd never seen anything like that before. I, you know, it was almost like, God, who do I text and who do I tell this about? Like my mom, my brother, like, I was like, you know, because my wife is standing next to me, like, you know, the kids are asleep. Like, I, you know, I can't text them. Like, it's just amazing. It was absolutely amazing is, I don't know, it seems like short of explaining the experience by saying amazing. I agree. Do you know what, do you know what it felt like when you take a kid to an aquarium? and they see these big sea creatures for the first time and they're like, what? <laughs> and honestly, as I was looking around, obviously watching the dolphins and the whale swimming around the arena, but watching the crowd's reaction, it was a total bewilderment on the part of everybody in there. What? are we seeing and they had filled the room with smoke and the bubbles and the lights that Kuroda was using against the smoke the the crazy thing from all these videos and and skinny's whale call video and i took a video because i was on the floor and then you see videos of people that were up in the 400s and looking down on it i just can't stop watching the videos of it because of that visual spectacle and when you listen to the music and during the waves, when the whale comes out, you can hear the crowd was like, whoa, holy shit, as this whale comes out of the tunnel and starts swimming around. I mean, it was, that bewilderment is, is the best way I can describe the reaction and the way I felt too. I was like, I, I can't believe that I'm watching this. And they, and it was just, they had done it again. You know, they had created this visual spectacle beyond what anybody could have imagined and they played the music with it perfectly. Although they missed an opportunity by not playing theme from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So that's well, my complaint. The king of all of missed opportunities in this sort of context was in 2018, was it? I can't remember what year they did the um, fish pirate ship and they didn't play Ride Captain Ride, I thought. Yeah, but I was 2017 and 2017. 2017. Yeah, into okay. 18, yeah, yeah. Well, something about the gag, and I agree with all with both of you, I think bewilderment is the exact right word, that it did make us feel like children. It really did. It, it's so wonderful that they can still do that. It was my favorite gag since the 2015 uh, Hourglass. It was my favorite one since then. But something that I think is overlooked about this gag is how it escalated. The whale gets all the headlines, and rightfully so, all the videos, because it was stunning to see it was so big and the dolphins moved like dolphins the, the fins amazing. the back fins the tails had movement separate from the body so it didn't look like the pink floyd pig that is just kind of like a stationary balloon moving these looked truly like sea creatures like sea mammals but something that i think we forget to mention and everyone is forgetting to mention is how it started because that's how it ended it started with just a raised stage. Yeah, yeah, Fun, that's right. But we've seen that before. Uh, then it started with projections and kind of like a sheet with projections under as part of the raised stage. Yeah, when they cool. did the free right at the beginning yeah. of, of, of the set, that was really cool when you could I, see that. 
and that's cool. And we saw that during Magnaball, kind of with the driving jam. Right. So it's neat, but it's not. I mean, it's cool, but it's not as like mind blowing as it would become. Then the rainfall projections started, and that's when I really paid. I mean, I was paying attention, but that's really when my brain was like, "Stop for a second. We got to process. Don't don't think too hard right now." Because what exactly was that? Was that I don't because know. I heard some people saying that they were at was actual rain? Well, it is like, not. It's what they did for Petrichor, right? It's kind of like a droplet that collects. Am I correct on that? I don't no? know. I th- no, Petrichor I thought the Petrichor beads. Yeah. I thought uh-huh. that there was an actual something that was like actually bouncing on the stage. This, I think, was some some trick that Kuroda was doing where he created like a backdrop screen of lights and then was projecting lights onto that. I mean, That's I don't what know. I think. Yeah, but I don't. But then I also heard, you know, reaction that it was like actual rain inside the venue. And I was like, I don't think that that's And at that point, it didn't, right. at that point, it didn't occur to me that the, the, the whole meta aspect of it is we're going underwater like that. It didn't occur to me yet at that point, no, despite, no. despite the set list. Right. So that was still pretty mind blowing and fun with the different green projections of falling designs. So that yeah. was cool. And then everything started to turn blue and foggy and bubbly. And then it started to turn into an environment. And yeah. then and then they it dropped was the kelp from the ceiling. Yeah. And then it was a couple dolphins. Wow, look at them. They look like dolphins. And then a shark came out. Oh, fun. I and didn't see the shark. Whale. There was a I shark. See, I was saw the shark? shark too. I didn't see the shark. Yeah, bananas the whale has taken over all our perspectives and it's like it's like a Nat Geo documentary and you can't figure out what you like. What was that? What do we learn about? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you watched it in two parts or something, <laughs> so, you know? But yeah, so that nature of it, the escalating nature of it is really what thrilled me that you, every time you thought that you had seen it, they added a new element that showed you something new. And that is the delight of it. It really set the tone for a new year's show where the second set blew you away. And then the third, oh no, this was the third set, but yeah. where one of the sets, whatever set the gag is for, gets all the headlines. And the other one is just kind of like whipped cream topping. Yeah, so I mean. I enjoyed it very, very, very much. Well, and I, I think the-, yeah, the That was the, the one encore I stayed for, by the way. I don't know if you guys noticed the It's Ice when that screen that you guys yeah. were talking about, it totally went cracked. Yeah, it cracked. And I yeah, was like, froze oh, over, wow, yeah. It's Ice for an encore, which, what are the statistics on that? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, think it's maybe, the only one ever. I think it's uh, the only time it's And that, see what I mean? They'll always surprise you. They're probably like, you know, fuck you, Skinny. Here's a light for you, but it's still awesome, even though we know you don't like it. And then- we're gonna throw an it's ice in the encore like they do stuff like that that's just really i mean it just that's people are like why do you keep seeing them well look i mean look at the music that they played during this set too i mean it the visual spectacle was obviously a huge part of it and what everybody is talking about right but the free was very good the wave yeah, of hope, maybe wave yeah, of hope. Maybe you're not a church of Trey. Wave of hope is a church of Trey type of tune, but it was rocking and it's got that up tempo pace. The waves turns into this blissful undersea type of feel. And then they fucking drop a mean ass sand that yeah. was awesome. And sand is my favorite tune. And this version 
fucking absolutely smoked. And I liked it because they also did sand during the New Year's gag in 2019 when Trey got stuck. And then they end the set with a raging split open in mouth. And yeah, yeah, I can't forget about that. That's when all the, the kelp fell during Yeah. That. So the visual spectacle was unbelievable. But the music that they put to that visual spectacle, I think matched the visual spectacle and enhanced it. And the visual spectacle enhanced the music and it becomes that circle that we're always talking about. Agreed. Killer New Year's Eve show to the point where even the people who were couch touring it were stunned and they didn't know what the sea creatures were either. They thought, I saw a number of people who thought that they were holograms or projections. Yeah, yeah. And if you could could, really fool the crowd, that's the best. Yeah, I could see that like at home being like, how are they doing that? Because you're not there. It's a completely different perspective, obviously, you know, when you're experiencing it firsthand as opposed to the couch tour. Don't get me wrong. I like if you can couch tour, it's it's the best way to secondhand smoke, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> that a you, know, analogy? <laughs> you know what, Skinny, you're talking about about couch torn. And so Megan bought the stream because she couldn't be there. And so when it was getting close to midnight. I didn't know if they were gonna do like a countdown and old Lang Syne and all that stuff. And so I FaceTimed her so I could be like, you know, like, hey, whatever, happy new years, I miss you, whatever. So we talked and then she's like, I'm watching the show and we hung up and then the dolphins came out and I called her right back and I was like, you gotta fucking see this. And, you know, she could barely hear me, you know, but I'm like showing her on the camera and she just, just the look on her face as she's, you know, seeing it just, you know, it was a little bit of a delay. So she's seeing it on her phone and then seeing it on the computer. Then the whale flew over my head and I showed her and she was like, holy shit, like, is that real? I mean, it was one of the coolest fish moments that I've experienced in 25 years of seeing these guys. The creativity that they are still putting into what they bring to us we are so lucky and yes maybe you don't like a song or a placement or this or that and everybody is like that and that's i mean that's part of the enjoyment of it right but what they still are trying to do for us is unlike i think any live performing act that is out there and i think that's one of the reasons why like yeah people call me a fluffer or whatever but like they're still doing it with so much enjoyment and you know that them standing on the stage watching all of that shit happen with dolphins and whales like flying around in front of them with 20,000 people like not sure what the hell is happening that still gets them and that's and we're fucking lucky man that's all agreed so skinny you were there for night four yeah jw you were not right that's no, the setup. I was, I was not there for night four. No, okay. I, had to, I had to bail the next day. Yeah, right. he, he boogied. We walked down to Chelsea again and, and went to Dos Caminos and had margaritas and Mexican food. You know, I got to tell you, it's funny talking about food. I struck out all week. I mean, I sent more dishes back for being ice cold. It's ice than I ever, <laughs> I ever have in my life. I mean, you know, my wife remarked to me, you can't catch a break with like eating this weekend. And I'm just like, it, it was just one of those times and I worked in the industry and I know how hard it is, especially with people being short staffed or whatever, but man, I was striking out all over the place, but we didn't strike out at those Caminos, which is good. I mean, like 
I don't know how you, you mess up Mexican. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just chicken and some guacamole and like, I love it. So we went again down the high line back into Chelsea. And then I had to take it easy because it was night four. And I said, I'm not worried about tonight. I'm going to take it easy and we'll go in. We, we didn't even leave until like 645, our hotel room, even though it was right around the corner and not full of expectations. But I I felt like how much more wrong can I be about this band than the first set? I I, I can't be any more wrong. Fluffhead, Mike's song, which by the way, I listened to again today, and I hear a MoMA dance tease right in the beginning of it. And I'm like, what's going on? And then, you know, the the traditional Mike song, Hydrogen Weekapog, the simple, which I felt like was not like, we're going to take over New York City with this simple. The last night, it was so dialed back, but so really beautifully played. It was just the most different simple I've ever heard. And then they drop egg in a hole, which I'd never heard before. You know, I wasn't in Vegas. So, I mean, it just continued to drive me wild how they're going to do this night and night four. And I've been to night fours after a run. I've been to a New Year's Day in New York City and in Miami. And trust me, they've been completely different than what I saw on the fourth day of this run. I mean, do you agree with that, Brian? Yes, I agree with it wholeheartedly. Uh, the first set of this night four rivaled any other set of definitely of the week. That's, I think, indisputable. Yeah, I think, yeah. But in any recent New Year's Eve run, if we're going to talk about it in those terms, the New Year's Day shows, I've been to two of them, they're almost never that good. They're hangovers. They're people walking slower. It's quieter. Uh, You mentioned not having expectations. I felt this time it was different expectations because of how blown away everyone was from the night before, not because everyone was just wasted and tired. It was also a Saturday still. Right. 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 There's still a day of rest in between. Which I didn't take into account. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, it's well, not who knows be... what day of the week it is when yeah, it's, yeah. Right, when it's a fish run. I just knew that I was leaving the next morning and like our train was at like 9.37 and 30 seconds or whatever. I was like, all right, well, tonight's not gonna be that wild. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, but... that first set by the by set break, I I wrote this down and I added it to our notes. I wrote couldn't get better. Yeah. Couldn't get better. I, I was blown away by this first set. Yeah, you wrote, you just repeated the set. A fluffhead opener? Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, and that harkens back to something that I never saw before. You know what I mean? So I didn't start seeing fish until 2000. For those that don't know, like I was a big Grateful Deadhead. And then once Jerry died, I was done. I, or I thought I was. Like that was just a part of my life where I saw a lot of shows and I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to remember it fondly. And then you know, here we go five years later and then I'm hooked. And now here we are 22 years later, Bluffhead open like that into a mics. Just like, these are things that when I first started seeing him with Josh, like 20 years ago, it would have been like, ah, you know, you're never going to see that. You're not going to see, it was more, you're not going to ever see this or you won't ever see that. Like they're not doing that again, or that jam will never be played. It was more like, you're never gonna see it, kid, even though I was 30 at the time when I started seeing him. You know what I mean? Like, you're never gonna see that, kid. That's that's old hat that they're, they're, they're moving in other directions or they're not moving in any direction. They're just doing like, 
I don't know, stuff that we don't really like as old, older fish heads or people that have been in the know. So I have to tell you, it might have been one of the better first sets, I think, that I've seen probably maybe even, I don't know, ever, ever maybe in, I, I was gonna say in 10 years. That's what you texted me. Was that, I mean, is that what I said ever? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was traditional. It's it was fun, because you sound so hesitant when you say that. And I think a lot of us are so cautious because we're, we're not in a rank. Yeah, we're not in a rank. As if our words have any real weight, you know. Yeah. But yeah. but it's there's no lack of confidence to say this is definitely one of the fir better first sets I've ever seen, and I've seen been seeing them since 1997. And it's like when they come out so hot like this, Fluffhead, Mike's Groove, incredible simple, egg in a hole, back into the simple, divided sky. And then first tube to close it. That's yeah, that's all, just like quintessential. That's an all-star lineup. Yeah, quintessential. It's yeah, it's really like the American League All-Stars. <laughs> I mean, whoever you like in the All-Star game in baseball. Like, I know baseball is always like a reference that you can pull to. But I, I remember some of the '70s teams. Like, I think they played in Detroit one year, and they just had like you know, Reggie Jackson and, you know, he hit one on the roof and he was playing for Oakland. I mean, it was just like, you know, they, they just had a crazy lineup. Like, how could you ever win a game against a lineup like that? I don't care who you were, if you were Sandy Koufax, you just aren't going to win against that lineup arguing. And, and the simple, by the time they got to the simple, Brian, that's when I was just like, you know, I don't know what to say about this, but I can't, I certainly can't sit here and argue that they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, well, of course not. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I know what I'm doing. Well, that's they how they make you do. feel. Yeah, like, what and, is this? And I, I again, this this brought me back to night two, that first set where there's sure. no bathroom breaks again. Right. And that, and before that, it wasn't since 2017 that I felt that way. You know, I, I have this thing where no matter what song it is that I like, I go to the bathroom in the first four minutes because you could skip the first four minutes and right. still get the jamming. Like, Where'd you that, hear that? Touche. <laughs> but whether Touché. it's like Run Like an Antelope, which is an right. uh, all-time fan favorite, these days they're not going to really do much with that Run Like an Antelope intro that I hadn't heard before or right. Harry Hood, for example. So I had to wait all the way to the beginning of first two to go to the bathroom, the last song in the set, because I knew I wasn't gonna miss anything that I hadn't seen before in first two, but I couldn't say that about any of the previous songs. So, I mean, that just speaks to it. And by the way, they opened the second set with a 20 something minute, No Man in No Man's Land. And you know what's funny about that is that Amy, my wife is like, we see that every freaking show. like. You know, since 2015, I've probably, I, I would love to see my stats on that. I got it. It's got to be upwards of like 20 times. It's close to and if it's not over it. And I'm like, oh, no, man. And then it's like almost 30 minutes, you know, and then the jam is so good in there. They almost get lost like in the 2015 one where they did do the hourglass. You know, I felt like they were hearkening back to previous, you know, Josh mentioned the sand with the clones. I felt like the It's Ice almost was a harking back to 2013 when they did the gem truck set but you know two nights before that i it was either the 28th or the 29th they played an amazing show Karini in there the it's ice had this incredible breakdown where i've never heard like, until this run the actual crowd just be like 
like completely enamored by the breakdown in the it's ice which is like it's it's ice it's not tweezer like let's be honest but that's what i thought i thought they just kept harkening back i felt like that no man's was definitely a harken back to 2015 and then it got strange again the pipe was yeah. like excellent i felt like maybe they didn't rip cord but why did they go into the jibuzi again this strange design that you know which from the first night the way that the second set was designed was not necessarily at the end of it my taste um, i agree and we also i was with some of my friends who are up from delaware just for this show and, oh, I think one of you knows her. Uh, oh, no, my wife knows her. I think they right. went to college together at Randolph-Macon, yeah. maybe. Um, right. I'll, I'll so, have to ask her. Yeah, so it's a small small world when you're this into fish. But I was hanging out with her and her significant other, and it was the best vibes in the world. After that first set, the beginning of the second set, we were just, you know, dancing on clouds. And then around the time of... Uh, what was it? A lonely trip, I think it was. There started to be some drama in our row where this guy who had too much of something, he had too much of whatever he had too much of. And he started just kind of pushing her, not physically like with his open palms, but like his shoulder, like he was trying to walk his way through a row, but simultaneously through people as if we were not there. And then he was like unsteady. He was grabbing at the straps of her tank top to kind of like steady himself like obviously that wasn't gonna work but he wasn't he wasn't quite assaulting her in that sense he was just too spun to know what was happening and while there is sympathy in my heart for that it's also like get your shit together man or find people who will help you and his friends were helpless and when he started pushing his way through us i tried to de-escalate and be like yeah man this is a someone's spot and he looked at me straight dead in the eye like at me and through me this is not someone else's spot. What's Almost, like is a robot. Obi-Wan Kenobi and the yes. Stormtroopers? I mean, he must have thought he was because his eyes were the size Jeez. of saucers. Yes. And, and he was just not in it. And he just couldn't stop touching and moving and pushing and, you know, holding his hands up and his arms like kind of like uh, he was at church, but like right. a speaking in tongues kind of church, like not the good kinds. The and, one where they handle snakes? Yes, yeah, he was just not in his right mind or his body. And his friends, I felt so bad for them, man. They were just, oh my God, like, we're so sorry. They were really upset. Uh, And we just decided around walls of the cave, the three of us, you know what, it's not worth the hassle. It's the end of of this run. They only were able to come up from Delaware uh, for one night. And you know, that's a hassle in itself when you travel for one night out of four. And so we're like, you know what, let's just find another place. And so that's what we did for the very end of the show. And everything was going just aces until that point. And also, like you just said, Skinny, it wasn't really my type of set list at the very end of the second set, but it was all gravy by then anyway. There was no complaints to be found in my head, literally. I was happy. Uh, I don't like Walls of the Cave that much, but I always love how it ends up. Yeah. I could tell. So I was watching the stream for this show and no man's was obviously fucking balls it was awesome that was raging and i could tell as soon as they went into the caspian you could almost hear like an audible groan from the crowd the caspian is still good yeah 
the piper is very good so they kind of heat it back up for that piper you know i mean it's a decent was like almost over 11 minutes and then again when they they really had started to hit that groove they had i won't call it a slow build piper but that intro was a little bit elongated at least as far as the tempo and then I, I don't know which one of you said it, but it was a total fucking ripcord out of Piper. Yeah, it was Jibu. me. And 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 the Jabu had it was almost like they kind of brought the whale call loops back in for the Jabu, but that didn't. And the Jabu was okay, but it it, it definitely it felt weird there. It exactly. did. I mean, I want. Yeah, I mean, I think it just. That I, I think they had trouble establishing the energy on a consistent level because it was raging with the Nomads. It kind of dropped off with the Caspian, picked up with the Piper, dropped back down with the Jabu. People probably jammed out to, I always wanted it this way. But then Not Lonely me. Trip, but then <laughs> Lonely Trip, I personally like Lonely I Trip. I like but- Lonely Trip, but it's a slowdown song from something that if they would have had, I would have rather a 20 minute Piper, get rid of the I always wanted it this way, had a lonely trip and then end with a Jabu. Do you see what right. I mean by the design? Sure, the right, but the, it's this, like, right, it's the structure of the set. But if you look at it from the Piper on, it didn't have a consistent flow to the set, even though they were, you know, they went from always wanted it this way into lonely trip and then the walls to close. And, and then, you know, you get a, a nice triple encore here with Wilson Bowie and more but I think that that after that first set, the second set here was a letdown for a lot of people that were in attendance. Wow, because the first set, again, I'll just go back and I, I think you agreed, Brian. It, it was, was like a pro- second set, first set. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it was like, all right, we still have an, one more set of music to play here. Let's, I, I, I know that's not how they approach it. I'm approaching it that way because it's my perspective. And comparison, like we always say, is the thief of joy. There's no way you can compare to that first set. So everything is going to be kind of a letdown. If they would have done some things that when I'm thinking about it and even ended instead of a walls with a a no encore, like do something weird like that, then like the the house would have been brought down. But, you know, hey, listen, that first set, uh, I'll take it. They could have played like one note for the second set. And I'd have been like, (laughs) "Eh, whatever. So to wrap it all up, um, any miscellaneous thoughts that any of you guys have that we didn't get to touch on? I, yeah, the, the, the uh, yeah, sorry, Skinny. The only thing I'll say is, again, with the sci-fi soldier here, egg in a hole, I know that when Fish released the soundboard, it was just simple and they added the egg in a hole afterwards. But again, here's another sci-fi soldier song now that everybody's like, oh man, that shit's so badass. <laughs> so I can't wait until they play Knuckle Bone Broth Avenue, or Clear Your Mind, or one of the other songs that I just want to know. I just want everybody to know I was an early adopter. I love all the sci-fi soldier stuff. Uh, it's on record. Duly noted. I, we had an amazing time. New York in the spring. I, I went off to Central Park, cut across to the Ghostbusters building. I mean, there's not much you can say about that was bad about the weather, the weekend, just who we were up there with and, and the times that we had and the experience of not only being outside the shows, but but inside the shows. So it was an A plus, A plus for me. A plus. Yeah, I, I will add one other thing is that, you know, you go to these runs and especially when we miss out on something or something changes from an original plan and then you get to meet the people that you did. I mean, we, we met 
and got to hang out with Carl Gearhart for a little bit. And we met right. RJB and hung out with him for a little bit and some Osiris people. And, you know, we saw Ryan Storm and chatted with him. And, you know, there was just all these different people. We saw uh, an old friend of ours. Weekend was, Walk, I was talking to him for a little bit. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we saw our, uh, an old friend um, who lives in Boston now, Sarah. And those connections and that community piece of it it's just another layer to the music and the visual spectacle and all of that stuff that goes into it and new york is just such a special place to see fish it's just so much fun it's so comfortable this there's so much to do in the city and eat and people to meet it's just such a special time whether it's christmas time you know new year's time or april or summer or whatever Man, I, I love New York City, man, and I love seeing fish in New York City, and I'll go and see them as much as I can there just, just because of all of that. I would echo that. Uh, between a message board that I've been posting on for about 20 years now, and uh, the founder and owner of it is going to be a guest on Attendance Bias in the next couple of weeks, but between that and this podcast, I, this was a really big week for me socially because when I told you guys earlier I got my tickets to the two shows, they were solo. All four were solo. It was single tickets, and I didn't spend one night or day alone. And the community vibe that's built up around here to the point where the three of us didn't see one another. I mean, you guys hung out, obviously, but all of us, I didn't see either of you. And now we're talking about it as if we spent the whole week together. Yeah, I know. Uh, I love that, Brian. Yeah, me too. Right. And I'm already looking forward to our recap of Atlantic City. Year too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I went, as I mentioned, I, I went to Mexico and that's its own special thing. This was really the first run that they, that felt like normal. And that was really super special and should not be, or should not have been taken for granted. I certainly did not. I came home glowing every night, whether or not I loved the set list or not. Uh, I did love every show. I didn't think there was a bad one in the bunch. There were just ones that didn't live up to other ones. It's all in a closed world anyway. So what's the point? I, I loved it all. It felt normal and that's what it's worth to me. And if you could feel that way at a fish show, which is probably the weirdest place any person can find oneself on any given night, but yet it's the most natural place for a lot of us uh, to find ourselves on any given night. You know, that juxtaposition feels great to have back. Yeah, it definitely yeah. does. And and we're so appreciative to talk to you and, and the fact that we both have podcasts and we're talking about some same things, but like you always say, some divergent ways to talk about it, to bring it back home and, and talk to you about these shows has just been amazing. So thank you, Brian, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things that we set out when we started doing this thing was talk about music and make some new friends and uh, you fit the bill. It's been, it's always awesome. And, you know, just the perspective that we've all gained over the last couple of years, I think makes going to something like this. I will say this, out of every single person that I saw in the three days four days that I was in New York City, man, everybody was so happy. There was a sense of jubilance. We brought the festive part of the season with us. You know, that's that's something that it doesn't matter what the band does. A, a lot of that is just us and the interactions that we bring and um, how we has, have developed a community. And I mean, that's that's something that I love as much as the music. To wrap everything up real quick, uh, what are your summer plans? 
We are going to Meriwether and Atlantic City. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I'm working summer school, so I work a summer program at my school and I it just doesn't I want to go to the man but you know Foo Fighters is canceled God rest in peace Taylor I mean that, that was just so tragic we were supposed to go up to Philly to see them and I love the Foo Fighters I just actually finished Dave Grohl's book not too long ago and so that's us man that was going to be my time up in Philly was seeing the Foo Fighters and so I think it's just Meriwether those two shows and the weekend of uh, Atlantic City yeah, we're doing, so I am doing the man, we are doing the man, uh, me and Megan, and we're doing Atlantic City, Meriwether, and then we're doing the first three nights of Dicks. So what about you? What are you doing? I know you're doing married. Atlantic City. Uh, yes. Oh, you're getting Congratulations. married. Congratulations. And That's you're going you're to Alaska. You're going to be at Meriwether, right? Yeah, right. And well, you're going to Alaska, right? Yeah, uh, yes, for a honeymoon, we're going to Alaska. That's so amazing. that's really exciting. Although I will say, when Fish announced their tour, I mean, I live so close to Jones Beach, and I have so many friends from my life on Long Island before I moved to Queens that everyone assumes I'll be there. And when they announced their, their tour, I had a text written out to my girlfriend saying, hey, I think we should reschedule. And then I stopped typing <laughs> because I meant it as a joke. Of course, we've been engaged for two years now because we were going to get married in 2021. And then something happened. You may have heard of it yeah. uh, that postponed it. And I, I, of course, it was a joke. But sometimes over texts, no matter how well you know someone, you can't always tell. So I deleted that text. Uh, so we're I'm just going to Atlantic City. That's the only show that I think fits in the schedule this year and the, the logistics. So well, still well, free and it's I'm still happy to, to be there because it was such a good time last summer. Yeah, and we'll have to hook up with you definitely then because we sure. saw you there last year, but we'll have to go out and have lunch and hang out and then we'll, we'll have to do another recap because talking to you, brother, an old friend man i mean you know we're old friends but i mean you might as well just add yourself to the mix yes thanks i still haven't had a white house sub so that's a <laughs> okay go well, maybe right, we'll go yeah, there together all right done but right, well thanks again me. guys i'm hey, glad you had you. Uh, i'm glad you were here roughly just a week later after the show's ended it's still fresh i was so glad to have the opportunity to talk about it can't wait till next time yeah man. yeah, man. Love you, brother. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll just do a quick wrap up here from the Stubby Down crew. If you want to follow us on the socials, you can check us out on Twitter. We are at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. Do us a favor. If you have not, Go check out Attendance Bias, an unbelievable podcast. Brian gets great guests, talks about amazing shows. He's a stat nerd just like me, so you'll learn a little bit about the band. We're a, a big community here. There are a lot of us podcasters out there that are just trying to have some fun and tell some stories. So support local podcasters. Brian's a great one out there to check out. And Skinny, awesome. Great talking to you as always. I love you guys. This is so much fun. Can't wait for next time. And we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Brian, love you. See you, dude. See ya.